0: Man, you can have a seat. <clears throat> so today uh, we are going to continue. In case you're maybe new today, uh, we're going to continue a series that we've been in um, for the last several weeks called the Prophets. Uh, so many of us undertook a challenge at the beginning of the year to read through the entire Bible together this year, and we are now in that long section of the Old Testaments. Uh, called the Old Testament Prophets. And for the last three weeks, we've been looking at the book of Jeremiah, which is the longest book of the Bible. And for the next two weeks, we're gonna explore some of those shorter uh, prophetic books. And today, I want to begin with a question that I don't think we can ignore any longer. It's a question that um, has led so many people to give up on the Old Testament, to give up on the Bible, sometimes to give up on church or give up on God altogether. And it's this. Why is God so angry in the Old Testament? Right? Because the prophets describe God as being angry a lot. Right? And maybe you're not reading the prophets right now. Maybe you're not doing this Bible thing. But let me just give you a little taste of our devotional reading from this past Monday. This is from the book of Lamentations, which is a collection of poems uh, or laments. That's why it's called Lamentations about the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. when the Babylonian army destroyed it. Here's how the second poem begins. The Lord in his anger has cast a dark shadow over beautiful Jerusalem. The fairest of Israel's cities lies in the dust thrown down from the heights of heaven. In his day of great anger, the Lord has shown no mercy Even to his temple. Without mercy, the Lord has destroyed every home in Israel. In his anger, he has broken down the fortress walls of beautiful Jerusalem. He has brought them to the ground, dishonoring the kingdom and its rulers. All the strength of Israel vanishes beneath his fierce anger. The Lord has withdrawn his protection as the enemy attacks, he consumes the whole. Land of Israel, like a raging fire. Uh, so in case you missed it, God's a little bit angry, okay? Uh, he is angry. And Jeremiah is trying to say, Jeremiah is probably the author of this poem, Jeremiah is trying to say that even though Jerusalem was, was literally destroyed by the Babylonian armies, it really happened because God was angry, because God was angry with the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem, and God had protected them in the past, especially from foreign invaders, but he was so angry with them, he was so furious with them, his wrath and his rage had built up like a burning fire that he decided he wasn't going to protect them anymore, and the result was total destruction. Now, I think most of us find passages in the Bible like this offensive. And I want to try to unpack or explore why that's the case today. Here's the real question Why are the Old Testament descriptions of God's anger so offensive to us? Because if you think about it, we're not actually offended by anger that easily. In fact, we watch movies and TV shows all the time where the good guys are getting really angry at the bad guys because of all the evil that the bad guys are doing. And the whole storyline or the plot line of a lot of shows or, or movies that we watch is about the good guys eventually punishing the bad guys, the good guys getting justice on the bad guys, the good guys avenging the victims of the bad guys. And so the problem isn't really anger or or wrath or justice or whenever anyone punishes a bad guy, right? And my hunch is that if an Old Testament prophet could join us today, he or she would say, that's exactly what I was describing. God is the good guy and he's just punishing the bad guys, right? He's bringing them to justice. He is responding to the cries of victims. He's, He's angry because of what people are actually doing, that God's anger is this righteous kind of anger that we actually celebrate in a lot of the movies and the shows and the stories that we watch. And so if that's true, then why are we always so offended at these descriptions of God's anger? It's not really more gratuitous or or more violent than so much of the entertainment that we consume. Why is it that God's anger in the Old Testament is so offensive to us. And I want to suggest three possibilities today. So the first is this. It's possible that Old Testament God's anger reminds us of trauma, abuse, or mistreatment in our own lives. I think this is really important to acknowledge right up front, because some of us had an abusive parent. Some of us have been in relationships with people who have anger issues. Many of us have experienced or at least seen abuse or mistreatment by people who are vindictive, petty, violent, abusive bullies. And truthfully speaking, many of these passages in the prophets make God sound like a vindictive, petty, violent, abusive bully. And it doesn't matter that many of these descriptions are poetic. It doesn't matter that sometimes they're, they're metaphorical. They're not meant to be taken literally. It doesn't matter that they were written in a totally different context, in a different part of the world, in a different time period. It doesn't matter that they're describing God's relationship with an entire nation, not a single individual. We might know all of that up here when we read these passages, but emotionally, If you've ever seen or experienced mistreatment, abuse, or trauma, particularly at the hands of a strong male figure, as God is often portrayed throughout the Old Testament, then it's completely understandable that these descriptions of God's anger would be deeply offensive and maybe just unacceptable. And so, if that's what you're feeling, then you can just skip these parts of the Old Testament. You probably should for right now. Or maybe I would even suggest something more radical. Maybe you should consider the possibility that the anger and the wrath that God, Old Testament God, felt in his heart is actually the same anger and wrath that God feels today towards anyone who mistreats or abuses anyone else that actually God's anger is not directed at you, it is with you. God's anger and wrath is not at you, it is on your behalf. He is angry with you at people who are abusers. Now we're gonna spend more time unpacking this because some of the other prophets really talk about this a lot. And so next week we're gonna focus on this more and I really encourage you to be here next week as we wrap up this series But this is something we all need to consider when we think about God's anger as it's portrayed in the Old Testament. Now, let me give you a second uh, reason that I think we have a hard time understanding God's wrath, and it's this. Old Testament God's anger confuses us when we compare it to Jesus. Um, This is really common. In fact, it's probably the number one comment that I've heard uh, from all of us as we're reading through the Old Testament and reading through the Bible this year. Is that the Old Testament seems to portray God so differently from what we read about Jesus in the New Testament. And if Jesus came to reveal God, and that's what the New Testament says over and over, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. So if Jesus came to reveal God, then why is Jesus so nice all the time? And why is God in the Old Testament so angry all the time? Well, for starters, that's not totally true. Um, There's way more nice God in the Old Testament than we're willing to admit, And there's more angry Jesus in the New Testament than we're often willing to admit. And we don't have time to go through all the passages, but let me just give you two examples real quick. Did you know that the laws that God gave to Israel in the Old Testament were so much more compassionate towards women, widows, orphans, immigrants, foreigners, and slaves than any other nation in the ancient world? In fact, the character call is that we associate with Jesus so often that Jesus had compassion on people that existed on the margins. It's all rooted in the heart of Old Testament God. And then in the New Testament, has anyone read uh, Matthew 23, 24, and 25 recently? Three straight chapters of Jesus pronouncing judgment. Judgment on the leaders of Israel at the time, talking about the day of God's coming in judgment and the eventual destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus sounds exactly like the Old Testament prophets that we've been reading. He is angry and he's not trying to hide it at all. So so the difference between uh, Old Testament God and New Testament Jesus isn't always as big or pronounced as we often make it to be. And we need to own that, right? We need to be a little more accurate or fair or nuanced in our discussion of this. Now, is there an imbalance? Yes, right? If there are a few passages that describe Jesus' harsh side, uh, the Old Testament has entire books dedicated, uh, the, the long books of history and prophetic messages that seem to go on and on and on About God's anger and judgment. And so, this is where we have to remember that these different kinds of books were written for different purposes. So, for example, the Old Testament books, nobody sat down and said, Hey, let's write some books about God and his character. And let's try to describe him as clearly and as comprehensively as we can. That was never the purpose of any of the Old Testament books that are written, right? Most of the Old Testament books were written simply for historical purposes, to document the history of the nation of Israel and provide a little bit of commentary along the way. And then the prophetic books are about a specific dark period in Israel's history And these books are just the collected messages of a handful of prophets who are speaking in very provocative ways about all of the injustice and idolatry that is plaguing the nation at that time. So today, this would be a little bit like reading the lyrics of the band Rage Against the Machine, okay? The lyrics and the songs are written for a very specific purpose in mind. Now when we come to the New Testament, They're written in a different time period and with a very different purpose. Really two main purposes. Uh, The first is just to tell the story of this guy named Jesus, right? And the things that he did, which you could say is kind of like the historical books of the Old Testament, but it's also really different, right? It's different because it's not about an entire nation over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's about one guy and what he did mostly over the course of about three years, The second reason most of the New Testament books were written is because they are originally personal letters. They were just letters from, from one person to another person or to a group of people. They were not written to be books about God. They were never written to be one day collected into this thing called the Bible, right? They were just personal letters written from one person to another person or to other people that are full of encouragement, full of instructions, full of actually a lot of intimate and personal notes, which is totally different from Old Testament history and prophecy. See, if you were to read a card from the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine to his mom on Mother's Day, right, and then you were to read the lyrics to one of his songs, you might think they're not written by the same person. How could the same person write these things? But that's because they're simply written for totally different purposes, And the same is true of the Old Testament and New Testament writings that we tend to want to compare to each other. Now, I know that doesn't resolve everything, but it's something we can't ignore, right? These books are written for different purposes, and so we should expect their content to be different. Some books are going to portray God one way, and some books are going to portray God a very different way. And that's not because they're describing totally different gods. It's just because the purpose of their writings is very different. Now, there's one more reason that I think we're offended by God's anger in the Old Testament. And this is maybe the most important issue. Old Testament God's anger offends us. If anger is a core attribute of God. See, I think that's the conclusion we sometimes draw when we're reading the Old Testament, especially the prophets. It seems like God is just angry all the time, right? It just just seems like he is fundamentally angry. That is who he is. And part of that is the sheer quantity of passages. Some of it is the quality, right, of passages. The prophets use these very violent and vivid metaphors because remember, it's poetry. And poetry is designed to provoke or make us feel something. And that's what it does when we read it. It makes us feel deeply uncomfortable, right? And yet, when somebody challenges you to read all of these books in one year, back to back to back to back sequentially, it can easily get very, very overwhelming. And you can begin to conclude that anger is just a core attribute of who God is. But it's not. Let me unpack why. It's not because, first, God's anger is a response, it's not an attribute. So anger is something we feel in response to something, and it's almost always in response to wounding, right? It's because either we have been wounded by someone or someone else has been wounded, someone else that we feel for or we care about, and anger is a response to that wounding. It's a responsive emotion. You don't just stir up anger on your own. You don't just suddenly feel anger for no reason. It's always a response to something. And it's the same with God. God doesn't just feel anger randomly. He doesn't feel anger because that's who he is. He's never described that way. His anger or his wrath is always a response to something. It's a response when the people of Israel rebel against him or or they offend him, and in a sense, that's described as wounding him. In fact, one of the main metaphors that is used to describe is God is like a spouse where the other spouse has been deeply unfaithful, and that is deeply wounding. Or God gets really angry when the people that he cares about and he loves are wounded or taken advantage of by other people, These are people, he loves people, he created people made in his image who are being mistreated and wounded. And so when we read these descriptions of God's anger in the Old Testament, again, they're not random. It's not like he just suddenly gets angry for no reason. It's not like God is angry when nobody else is around, right? It's not a part of who he is. It is always a response to some deep injustice or wounding or offense that God sees or God feels. And that means that this is true as well. God's anger is alien. It's not natural. God's anger is alien. It is not natural. Let's go back to the poems of Lamentations. Here's what one of them says. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. That English word willingly is actually a translation of the Hebrew words from his heart. Meaning anger is not from God's heart So when God gets angry over what people are doing and he finally decides to let people experience the consequences of their foolish actions, it means God doesn't really want to do that. He doesn't want to respond that way. He doesn't want to see anyone actually experience grief or affliction. It's not really in his heart. It's not fundamentally who he is. Here's how the prophet Isaiah describes this, and this is from one of those long passages of judgment and wrath in Isaiah, okay? Isaiah 28 says this. The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perizim. He will rouse himself as in the Valley of Gibeon. Those are places where God displayed his anger and judgment over people, and he's about to do it again to the wicked leaders of the nation of Israel. But it says here's how he's gonna do it. He's gonna do his work His strange work and perform his task, his alien task. So, God's gonna judge the leaders of Israel, but he's been really patient with them for a long time. He's been waiting, he's been warning, he's been sending prophets, he's doing all he can to help them change their ways, but he can't be patient anymore. He's decided it's finally time to discipline them. But when he does this, it is work to him. And it is strange work. In fact, it says it is a task that he has to perform. But it is an alien task. That word literally means alien or foreign. It is foreign to God to be angry or to judge people in this way. So, God's anger is alien to him. It is not natural. It's not fundamentally who he is. And that leads to one final, really, really important truth. God's anger is rooted in love. It's ultimately an expression of his love. And any parent who has ever had to discipline their children understands this. Any parent who has ever come to the place where they realize the most loving thing they can do at this point is to actually remove the safety net, is to stop protecting their child from the foolish decisions that they're perhaps making. And maybe they've warned and maybe they've asked and maybe they've tried to do all they can, but they realize at some point, the most loving thing they can do is to actually let their children experience the consequences of their own decisions. And every parent will tell you they don't want to do this. It feels alien to them. It's not really in their hearts, but they do it anyways because it often feels like it is the most loving thing that they can do. And so the prophet Joel, in this short book that some of us read this past week, and the book is almost all about God's judgment, he describes God's love in this way. Even now, declares the Lord. This is in the process of God bringing judgment upon Israel. Even now, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is what? Angry? Full of wrath? Always mad at all of us? Fundamentally Angry? with us? No. It says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. This is who God fundamentally is. Like in his core, in his being, in his heart of hearts, he's gracious, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love. Have you ever noticed that God is never described as slow to love and abounding in anger? No, he's slow to anger. He's really, really patient with us. It's like he is always bending towards love, bending towards grace, bending towards compassion and mercy. It's like he can't wait to always express those things because that's fundamentally who he is. He doesn't want to express anger. He doesn't want to express judgment. He doesn't want people to to suffer the consequences of their decisions. He never wants that. He's always bending towards wanting to express mercy and love. And compassion. And the Old Testament prophets give us little glimpses of this here and there. You have to look for them. They're often buried in these long passages of judgment. But they're there. The Old Testament history books give us a bigger picture of this. Of a God who finally decides to discipline his people. But only after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Of patience and pleading and protection. And of course, the New Testament gives us the clearest picture of a God who decides to ultimately take upon himself all of the judgment and all of the consequences so that we can know and experience his abounding love and grace and mercy. If you are still not convinced, if you are still offended when you read these passages about God's anger in the Old Testament, that's okay. Uh, There's plenty of days where I am still offended as well, and I am not convinced. And then I have to remember that my perspective is so small, so finite, so limited. And rather than judge these texts too quickly, which is exactly what I'm accusing God of doing, perhaps there is something I can learn from them. Or maybe you're here today and you've been told your entire life that God is angry with you. Or maybe nobody ever sat you down and told you that. Maybe you just felt it. Maybe that's the impression you've got. Would you dare to believe something new? That God fundamentally is not angry with you. He fundamentally loves you. Let me pray for us. God, we do thank you ultimately that Jesus came to clear everything up. And then even though um, these stories from Israel's history point us towards a God who is loving and forgiving and carries the consequences of our own sin for us and provides the compassion and the life and the meaning and the hope that we all desire, God, I thank you that Jesus came and made that resoundingly clear. And so if we have any doubts about your love for us today... We have any doubts because of any shame or guilt or questions that we carry. God, I just pray that you would break through those and you would help us to trust in you. I pray this in your name. Amen.